Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. I don't know about you, but especially the year we've come through, right? We, we're worried about masks. We're, we're worried about being contagious. We're worried about con- con- contracting this thing and trying to deal with it all. And those things just get so much of our focus and we can forget about what God does and how, what he's done and how that works for us. And um, you know, this has been an educational year for me. I made it a point to be informed about what's going on and things that are happening. And it just, that's what's led to this particular message today because I think it's vital for mankind going forward. And that's impacting a generation for God. I think we've got to get serious about that. And it's, it's the power of the blood that's going to enable us to do that. We can't do it in our own strength. Uh, and we can't do it in our own power. We've got to trust God to do those things in us and through us. All right. Nothing like an emotional start, right? <laughs> Sorry. It's me. And I'm okay with that. I, I would rather be this way than the way I used to be. I used to be so cold and heartless and very... And I, I enjoy life much more feeling it instead of just enduring life. So I'm okay with it. Now, that said, barbershop. Barber's busy working on one of his customers. Little boy comes running in. And the barber goes, you aren't going to believe how dumb this kid is. Watch this. So the barber takes a dollar in one hand and two quarters in the other hand. And he walks over to the kid and he goes, kid, which one do you want? And he's like, the two quarters, of course, there's more. And he runs out the door. He's like, see, I told you, this kid is dumb. Day after day, he comes in. He never chooses the dollar. It's unbelievable. So guy gets his hair cut. He's walking down the road. He sees a little kid coming out of an ice cream shop licking an ice cream cone. He's like, I've got to ask the kid why. So he goes over and goes, son, I've got to ask you. I hear you that every day this happens or every time you walk in there this happens, you only take the two quarters. Why? He makes a big lick of his ice cream cone and says, the day I take the dollar, the game ends. <laughs> ah, kids are smart. Kids know what's going on, don't they? And we need to remember that. It's one of the reasons why we have a children's program. We've got to invest in that generation because they're tomorrow and they're today all at once. They need to know the stories of what God can do and be in awe of his power. When was the last time you were in awe of God's power? And some of the storms we have kind of remind us of that from time to time, right? Stuff happens and it's like, ooh, if, if, the, if the weather can do this, what can God do? And, and with that, I think sometimes we take the other stance of, what can I do? One person. And the Bible is filled with unbelievable situations of one person being willing to listen to God, to stand up for God, to speak for God, to be the odd man out that need to challenge us. Because we need to realize that as time goes by, and I know after this kind of election period, we're all like <gasps> holding on for dear life, going, what's going to happen? But we don't have to live that way as God's people. 
My God is over it all. Thank you, Mel, for your prayer. He is king. I don't have to be concerned about what's going to happen. Because if you read the word of God, there have been crazier, nuttier kings or people in power than what we have experienced. And we're still here today. So God knows what's going on. We can trust him. We don't have to worry. In fact, God tells us, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. I'll take care of it. Don't you worry. So that was free. <sighs> How do you impact a journey for God? I know you've heard a lot of my story, different pieces of it here and there, and I've encountered a lot of wild stuff in my life. And it compelled me to want to come into ministry and initially to work with teenagers because I did not want teens to have to endure or go through half the stuff I went through. I wanted to try to provide wisdom and direction or whatever that would get them to bypass and sidestep the craziness that happens in a lot of people's teenage years. Uh, the world has a definite agenda for our kids. And if you don't see it, open your eyes because <laughs> it's there and it's vibrant and it's robust and it's going after them. Very calculated ways. And so I felt compelled to get into the ministry to work with teenagers. God gave me this really cool unique ability. I mean, I remember too much about my past. I remember how I felt when certain things happened, and I remember how certain things kind of unfolded in my life and what craziness ensued because of some of the decisions I made or circumstances I was in. Um, it's funny, I was kind of relating to somebody I was counseling with this last week, and it's like, it just, it reminded me of just how at risk I was at. And I had two parents, <laughs> and it's like, but I was at risk so many times growing up because they weren't worried about where I was, they didn't care what was going on in my life, and they were so consumed by what was going on in their life that I was kind of just around. <laughs> and it's like, is it any surprise that stuff happens to people? Our generation needs us desperately, as does the next one, and the next one, and the next one. So we need to get involved. So we're going to be in Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8 this morning. Uh, if you want to use the Bibles that are sitting in the chairs, it's page 672. Uh, that way you can, you can check me, make sure I'm reading the right text, the right words. You can't critique me, though. I won't let you. Kidding. Not kidding. Anyway. <laughs> How do you impact a generation for God? I mean, doesn't that sound daunting? Doesn't that sound like... I can't do that. And you're right. But with Christ, all things are possible. And you can. And it's, it's surprising how you can. Uh, the person that led me to the Lord probably has no clue that I'm here today talking to this many people about God. But that person, he was instrumental in bringing me to the Lord. One person. Making a difference in one person's life. Imagine if that happens exponentially. Imagine if that starts to, to domino effect in our world. What at least our nation could become again. Our town, our city, our state. It can happen. 
The first thing that we need to do, though, is own the impact responsibility. We have to realize that we must get involved. We can't just stand, stand aside passively. It's got to take some intentionality um, because your life reveals what you, you believe. It really does. What you do and how you do it and the choices you make, it reveal what you ultimately believe about life, about God, about other things. So let's get into the text. Enough of me. Verse 1, Psalm 78, verse 1 says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. So God's talking to us. If you call yourself Christian, he's talking to you. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. That's not happening today. Biblical stories, biblical principles, those things are fading away because these things are not being passed on. These things are not being talked about. They're not being discussed. It's like if you go into the world and you ask them about biblical things, it's crickets. What, who? What are you talking? What? I mean, and every generation that goes, if this does not change, it's only going to get worse. We've got to get involved. We've got to see the impact that is necessary. That's why I give, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. It's listen, really listen. Don't just, I think sometimes we, we treat the Bible academically and we just like, okay, what are the facts I need to know? God is good. God is great. Oh, I got to pray. Oh, I should come to church. Okay. Check. No. Think about some of the songs we sang, how personal, how intimate, how vibrant they were in relationship. See, God just doesn't want a bunch of people who kind of do a bunch of things. He wants family. That's why he calls us sons and daughters. He wants friends, people who get together and enjoy and exhibit some type of relationship together. It's not just about the details. It's so much about the relationship. And Christ's blood, that was the very thing that provided the opportunity for us to restore relationship. That was necessary. And that's what was wanted. It wasn't just, you know, oh, I want you in heaven. No, I want you. I want to know you. I want to talk to you. I want you to know me and talk to me. Go back to what he ultimately wanted when we go back to the garden, right? To walk with us and talk with us, right? There's a song <laughs> that actually speaks to that. Old hymn. That's what he wants. And if you aren't living in that kind of a way, you're missing out on such an awesome part of the Christian life. Because God will talk to you. And not in some kind of way, God. It's not that kind of stuff. But you will feel his presence. You will know that he is powerful. You will understand and have him move you in ways. And, and when I get to my next point, you'll hear one of the ways that he challenged me that was like way out of my comfort zone. But I mean, he does that all the time. For my sake, for his sake, and for this generation's sake. Listen. Did you notice? Give ear. Listen. Incline your ears. I want all of you. Come on, pay attention. Don't miss this. 
I don't want you just kind of half-hearted. How many of you have kids and you're talking to them and they're watching TV? They're not listening to you, right? <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because they've got one ear to you. Both ears, right? You have to be focused. Okay, tell me, talk to me. I love, my daughter-in-law does that. My two-year-old grandson. I've got to talk about him because I love him. But it's a riot. Look at me, look at me, look at me in the eyes. Because <laughs> she knows if he's not, he's not listening to a word she's saying. It's wonderful to watch. I don't have to deal with it anymore. It's beautiful. My children are all grown up and living their lives. Romans 10, 17 reminds us, so faith comes from hearing, hearing comes through the word of Christ or the word of God. If you're worried about your faith, if you're challenged in your faith, if you feel your faith is weak, start getting in the word. Hear God's voice. Hear him talking to you. Hear him moving in your heart. Hear him pushing you to get closer. <laughs> Doesn't that sound crazy? But that's what he wants. Because guess what? When we are walking side by side with God, we feel more powerful. We feel more resolute. We feel stronger in who we are. Because we experience his strength. And it's an awesome thing. It's a wonderful thing. And it's what's necessary to impact a generation for God. But we've got to see that I've got to own that responsibility. I've got to realize that it's, I can't just make it through the day that there are other people that are worse off than me, that are drowning, that are falling by the side. You think of the, the story of the Good Samaritan, right? How many people just walked by because of different reasons? All good, all viable reasons. But we can't afford to walk by the people on the side of the road. I'm not talking about the homeless. I'm talking about people, <laughs> just all people who are in need of help. We can't just walk by. We need to have a working knowledge of God's word. And I'm not talking about extensive you know, doctorate level stuff. Know the stories. If you want to learn them, come on down to the children's ministry. We'll teach them to you. That's all we talk about all year long. Because they are rich and they have depth and they have breadth of what God can do. And they can provide the strength you need, the chutzpah you need sometimes to open your mouth about things. It is available. But you've got to choose. See, that's, that's how cool God is. And to me, that's the part that compels me to cling to him. He doesn't force me to do a thing. He wants it to be completely by choice. He wants us to understand his sacrifice, understand what his loss was, understand the things that he gave up. He could have just stayed in heaven and just like, oh, let's create another batch of these. These aren't working out, right? But no, his incredible love for us compelled him to make some personal sacrifices to restore relationship with him. And we've got to see other people with those same eyes of compassion, those same eyes of love that God sees them with. God's law is most commonly communicated verbally as a result of being integrated into our lives. And we need to know that truth and how to communicate it. Why do you do the things you do? If, if you've just picked them up from Christian living and other people telling you how to live the Christian life, 
Drop it all and go to the Word. Drop it all and go to the Word. Ask God what He wants from you, personally. Don't just do things because, oh, well, you know, my friend over here does that, my friend over there does that, and oh, that looks good, and oh, boy, that seems really spiritual. Drop that stuff immediately and go to the Word. Ask God, what do you want from me? Because that's, that's the part where we all struggle. Because sometimes he asks different things from different people. And we go, oh, well, they're doing this. And should I be doing that? Not if God hasn't told you to. Not if he, not if he hasn't led you to go down a certain path or do a certain thing. Don't do that. He doesn't want just a bunch of cookie cutter, yes, I love God. Yes, I love God. That's not what he wants. There is so much diversity, there's so much beauty, there is so much difference in this world, and God has created it all, and he has put it in us, and he has knit us very specifically for certain desires and heart loves and things that we dislike even, and he wants us to pursue him through those ways, not just, just take it on Christian stuff. Blah, 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 blah. That just makes me, ugh. Because I lived there. That's why I get sick about it. I lived there. Because it sounds like it makes sense. It sounds noble. It sounds spiritual. Well, wow, that pair, I love, you know, sometimes we look at people and we, we revere their relationship with God. We think, oh, okay, well, well, all right, they go to prayer meetings, so I'll go to prayer meeting. Oh, they feed the homeless, I'll feed the homeless. Uh, oh, they give all their money, I'll give all my money. And we just kind of tack on all these things and we just tack it on. That's not the Christian life. That's not what God wants. Because sometimes we get down the road and we're like, ugh, this, this Christian life is just, ugh, it's exhausting and it's boring and it's, ugh. And it's because you're not living the Christian life. You're just adding Christian activity to your life. Drop it. Let it go. One other part that's here in this verse that I really want to just encourage our men because it says, and our fathers have told us. Fathers are mentioned as a source of this teaching and men must see the need to be highly involved in this process. I know it's not typical for us guys to talk about things but we have got to get involved. Households where the father is the strong source of spiritual guidance, and that's just doing the right things. I'm not talking about extra, you know, I'm not adding anything to your life. <laughs> but they are far more stable than when there's still two parents and mom is just trying to make it all work because there becomes this division there. I don't say this out of any other thing to just consider what God wants you to do. You're like, well, I don't have a family, so I'm off the hook. Uh-uh. <laughs> Sorry. As men, we need to father a bunch of orphan people out there who don't have anyone, who need people to invest. And I say that 
Because even with two parents, at one point in my life, I was kind of orphaned from them. And if it wasn't for some other guy to challenge me, to push me, and sometimes I would say he <laughs> um, stalked me, I probably would not be here today, I know, because I would have self-destructed. But he figured out ways to just keep me connected to the church, keep me connected to the church, keep me connected to spiritual things until I finally heard what God wanted me to do. And I praise the Lord for that person that was willing to stick it out. When I used to just, I was not a good person, <laughs> even, even as I had come to Christ, but I wasn't growing and thriving in him, and I was just living like the world. And I gave that guy a hard time. I put him off a lot. And he kept coming back and calling, oh, can you help us? Can you do it? <laughs> All right, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Sometimes it was done just to shut him up. I'll be honest. But he did what it took. He did what I needed. He didn't give up on me. All right. Went in the direction I wasn't planning on, but anyway. God is faithful to provide the information. We are responsible to hear it and know it and to be able to pass it on. We've got to trust that there's far more to life than some of the ways we are living. God doesn't want us just to get through the day. He just doesn't want us to pass the time and tick off the days. There's so much more happening. And we've got to be aware. A couple things before we move on. Do you invest any time with the Lord to grow yourself? Are you learning the stories? Are you learning the parables? Are you learning these truths? Because that's going to help you grow. That's going to help you get stronger and give you something to say when somebody asks you a question. Have you done any preparation to share God with other people? And by preparation, just say, how would I tell somebody how I live? How would I, why, why, what would I say to somebody to say, hey, why do you go to church? Simple question. You know, what would you say? What do you say? Maybe, maybe you're all prepared and I don't know. But like I said earlier, I said, you know, are you living the Christian life or are you living a life that looks Christian? Because there's a huge difference. Moving on. How do you impact a generation for God? First, own the impact responsibility. Understand that you've got to be involved. And again, it's not all on you. But God just wants you involved some way, somehow. Secondly, be ready to talk about God. Um, we were with Word of Life as area missionaries for a while. And um, I knew, well, before that, before I was a missionary, I was connected with Word of Life. And I knew the founder, met him, and interacted with him several times, different ways. And he had a quote, which is, it is the responsibility of every generation to reach their generation for Christ. Jack Wurtson was uh, the guy who founder of Word of Life, if you're familiar with Word of Life. And um, he was a passionate evangelist. And he knew the importance of getting the word out. He was kind of a, a trendsetter in doing some of the things that were very different in ministry to preach the word of God. 
to bring Christ to the people. And that's what it's going to take for us. You know, people aren't used to coming to church. People aren't used to doing spiritual things. We have got to bring God to them. Somehow, some way. With the skill set and talents that each one of us has. And the cool part is, when you make that decision to own it and then to be ready to talk about God, guess what? He will have divine appointments start happening in your life. People who have similar situations to you. People who can really be ministered to by you. That will hear your story and go, wow, I'm there. What do I do? And you will know what to say. And if you don't, you could be like Moses. And God will give you the words in that moment. I've been there. I've been there praying, going, God, I have no clue what to say. What do I say? What do I say? Now, I'm not saying that out loud, but it's going on in my head like crazy. And then all of a sudden, he'll give me something to say. And it's weird in a very cool and addictive way, because sometimes he'll give me words, and I'll say those words, and they'll go, oh, that word. Why did you use that word? Like, oh, kind of God sort of gave it to me. And you've got, I don't, I, I'm compelled to tell the truth, so it's like, I don't say, well, I came up with it, because I'm really smart. No, no, I'm not. It's like, God gave it to me because I was really nervous what to say, and he gave me that word. And for whatever reason, that word is the word that connected with them. That word was haunting them or challenging them or whatever it was. And we've got to start being that open to God. Because I've been in situations where if I go, if I say that word, it's going to sound weird. It's going to sound dumb. It's going to sound bizarre. I don't say that anymore. When God gives me something to say, I say it. Because it's usually what someone needs to hear. And we've got to start trusting God that he wants to use us. We are vessels that he wants to fill with the Spirit of God and then send out to do his work in a very needy, 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 needy world. And the needs are only mounting based on stuff that's going down on a daily basis. Um, it was very interesting. Oh, I'm scared. Oh, no, there we go. The countdown clock was gone, and I'm like, I have no time. I've used it all already. That's scary. But no, I've got more. <laughs> Guys are killing me. My parents had friends that were kind of, you know, they were marginal friends to them because they were church people. <laughs> and my parents weren't church people. And... Um, they started, you know, they would constantly ask my parents, you know, oh, you should come to church with us. You should come to church with us. And they were like, nah, 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 nah. So they said, well, would you let Dave go to church? And they were like, oh, sure. Who doesn't want free babysitting on a Sunday morning? <laughs> so they sent me with this, this couple. It was the weirdest thing, but they, would, they were faithful to show up every week, put me in their back seat, and take me to church. And I kind of grew up in the church, learning the stories, learning the songs, understanding who God was and what he did. And God was setting a foundation for me. And it was like with people I barely knew. They were friends of my... F they didn't even have kids, which was even bizarre, more bizarre. But they did that. They cared that much. And it was them being probably told by God, you know, reach out to anybody, reach out to somebody. And... 
my parents let me go. And I, I am thankful for the education I got in the church because of that, because I was around people who love God, and that was infectious to me. I was an obnoxious little kid who used to sing as loud as he could because I was so excited about being at church. That was me as a little kid. I grew to hate it later, but that was a different story. We'll go down there later. But that family saw the importance of being ready and did something about it. And they made a difference in at least one person's life. That's mine. Let's move on. Verse 4. Being ready to talk about God. We will not hide them from their children, the parables, the stories, etc., telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. See, I think we've gotten good at hiding, blending into the world. And I know why. They have expectations of us. I don't know how many unsaved people know what I'm supposed to be doing. It's incredible. You don't go to church, but you know I'm supposed to love you? You don't go to church, but you know I'm supposed to be good? You don't go to church, you know I'm not supposed to lie? You don't go to church, and I'm supposed to whatever it is. They've got the list. I don't know where they got it. We need to find out. Burn it. But it's true. I think the world wants to know, does it work? Is it real? And we've got to tell them it is. And we've got to stand out and tell them why. And what it's about. And it comes down to a few things that are are very much a part of this verse. And that's praising the Lord. Talking about his strength. Talking about his wonderful works. And the thing is, is if we aren't living that life, we probably aren't experiencing those things. If we're just kind of living a life that looks Christian... We're missing out. Because it's going to take a Christian life to impact this generation and the next generation to come. One that's completely submersed in the blood of Christ, which sounds so bizarre. (laughs) But what it does is that's what makes us white as snow. And that's, that's the irony of this. That's what's necessary. Trusting in his death, burial, and resurrection to push us forward and to give those examples and to say those things to people. That's what's required. We can't be hidden anymore. Now, how many of you guys remember, anybody like, used to like Far Side? Yeah, well, this one kind of relates to that. It's like we have to be obvious. Whoop, that was quick. If you can't read it, I, sorry it's blurry. It was a bad thing, but I, it made my point. Oh, Christians. Now, if you don't know which one is the Christians, <laughs> it's the one that looks like the fish, <laughs> which is part of my thing. The ichthys was a, a way that people used to use to identify themselves as Christian once upon a time. It was a symbol. It was something. And, you know, I don't know what your, your thing is, for some pin, from, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I had my mask on. <laughs> for some people, it's pins. For some people, it's bracelets. For some people, it's symbols. 
For some people, it's handing out testaments. Those kill me. <laughs> I don't mean literally, but I, it's just it's a riot. Um, tracks are another way. And some people are like, tracks? What are tracks? We have a whole board of them on the back, on the, way, on the right side of the door. And they are different ways to tell the story of Christ, different ways to reach out to people for the Lord. And those work for some people. And those don't work for some people as well. I understand that. But figure out what your thing is. It's funny, I remember I had given these out to a bunch of men um, for something else we had, because I will, I will use these, I promise you. <laughs> they will be gone at some point. Um, but it's funny, one guy, he said he put it on his toolbox at work, and guys used to go, what is that, and why do you have it? And it was a total discussion starter. Uh, you know, it's like, and you can say, hey, my pastor gave me this stupid thing, it's old, and it doesn't even have the right web address on it, but it reminds me to talk to people about God on a regular basis, so I keep it around. And it is a carabiner, but don't, try, don't put your life in this. <laughs> Keys maybe, but not your life. Um, but you can clip it on stuff or whatever, and it can become a conversation starter for you. And if this doesn't work for you, find something else. I, I don't mind. Um, but start figuring out how to talk to people about God. Um, we can't hide any longer. We need to be openly praising God for who he is, for his strength, for what he's done, acknowledging our role to be a witness, uh, speaking out and standing up for biblical principles, openly sharing our relationship with God and with others. See, when we start to live our life comfortably and as one person, we got to be the same person that we are at church and at home and at work. We've got to be the same person all the time. Because that's how they're going to see Christ. Because he will start shining through us in vibrant ways that people are going to go, you know, I notice your language is different. Why is that? Opportunity to witness. I notice you never swear. <laughs> or I notice you swear all the time. I don't know what your thing is. <laughs> Why is that? You call yourself a Christian. Anyway. But we've got to start living the Christian life in a way that people see what it's supposed to look like. And, and honestly, I know, I know there are some people, I've counseled with them, they are exhausted because of the Christian life, because they have taken on so much junk that they don't need to take on. And the only way you find out the root, the path, whatever word you want to use that God has for you is to start talking to him about it. Don't just figure it out on your own. We always think about it. You know, it's like I was always the hardest on my kids when I was teaching a class because they're my kids and I don't want to show preferential treatment. And I'm going to, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to be harder on them. <laughs> and that's what we do to ourselves. We try to gut things out for the Lord, and it's like, and we're trying to do stuff that he's never asked us to do. Don't do it. I beg you, don't do that. Ask him. Talk to him. Consider your audience. You know, if you're talking to a child, try to keep things simple, or your grandchildren, or family members, or coworkers, or neighbors, or strangers. And boy, do I have a note here that's just like, it's, it's cool and, I don't know, embarrassing and good and bad and all kinds of things wrapped into one. 
But it was like I, we were, I was somewhere at a restaurant and the cooking space was open and the cook just looked like he had a lot on his mind. He looked heavy. He looked just like something was weighing on him. And man, the Holy Spirit started prompting me. You need to talk to him. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm at a restaurant in front of a bunch of people. He doesn't want me to talk to him. I'll just be bothering him. You need to talk to him. But I don't want to take him away from his job or his work or what's going on here. God's like, you don't need a long conversation. Just open yourself up to talking to him. And so I walked over to the guy and I'm like, I said, I don't know if this is going to sound weird to you, but it just, to me, it seems like you just have a lot of heaviness on your shoulders. You look like something's really bothering you. And if you need somebody to talk to, I can do, I, I would be open to that for you. Like, he's like, who are you? I'm like, I'm a pastor. And it's like, I counsel people. And it's like, I said, I'm not looking for money. I'm not looking for anything. I said, I just, God kind of prompted me to talk to you. And it just, here's my card. If you want to talk, talk. If not, not. <laughs> but I felt so relieved after that in the sense of, that was not as hard as I, I had built it up to be on the front end of the whole thing. And the guy was very thankful. He's like, wow, I really appreciate the fact that you would be willing to just talk or ask or say something. I mean, people are pretty gracious <laughs> when you kind of put yourself out there and say, it looks like you might need help and I'd be willing to help you. You'd be surprised how people will respond, especially if God's leading you there. Trust him. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And that's that whole idea of praising the Lord. When we start seeing what God is doing and seeing our hope is in him, we will automatically praise him. Our voice will automatically go up. Because we can't help it. We see what he's doing. We experience what he's doing. And we are filled with joy by what he does in our life. Even the challenging things. I wasn't going to share this, but I will. Um, it took me months to finally get infusion therapy for some things that I've been dealing with for like a while now. And I finally started those crazy things. And even, even the process was challenging. And one of the, the fears was some people develop antibodies against the drug and then it becomes useless. And lo and behold, last week I went to get mine and they were like, oh, your numbers are bad. Which means I've developed antibodies for this crazy drug and now they're not working anymore. Now, I'll be honest, blew the wind, or blew, sucked the wind out of my sails completely because I was like, all that work, all that time, all that effort. And but I, you know what? I, I, I've seen progress. I've gotten some benefit. I was partway through. I didn't get to finish the whole thing. And I know God has another plan here. I've got to, that's, I trust him. I mean, that was, that's where I went because my journey with God has been a while now. <laughs> and I know him. He's got something else going on. And I trust it. 
And, and I'm concerned, because my doctor won't call me back, but it's like, but I trust God, fortunately, more than this doctor. Um, and I know that I can trust him, and I, I need to just rest in that. And that's what I've been doing. And it sneaks up every once in a while, but I'm doing pretty good all in all. And I praise God for the fact that I got to have as many as I did before it went wonky. I praise him for the fact that I do have some benefits from what I did get. And I praise him for the fact that there's another plan. That's cool. I can't wait to see what that is. I just hope it's not too scary. But he'll give me the strength I need. A couple questions, and then we're going to really crank. <laughs> Where have you drawn the line for what you'll do for God? Because I know you have. We all do it. Well, I'll do this, but ugh, I'm not going to do that. I'll do it, but I won't go there. Uh, but I won't do that. Don't draw a line. It limits unbelievable, miraculous things in your life. What would the next generation say about God based on your life? And I'm not trying to indict anyone here. I just want you to consider. I just want you to consider. Not an indictment. Just a gentle nudge to consider things. Now, because I do what I do all the time, and let's take too much time on one point, <laughs> you have almost no, point, no time for this other point. But I'm just going to kind of give you the information because it's important. How do you impact a generation for God? You only impact responsibility. You be ready to talk about God, and you make your life a godly testimony. You're like, how do I do that? Glad you asked. God gives us the answer in the next few verses. So verse 5 says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. So just another gentle nudge. God kind of expects us to do this to impact the next generation. The one around us, the next one, the next one. He expects us to be involved in some way. And again, it's going to look differently. Talk to God. Find out what your part is. Could be prayer. That's equally as important as anything else. Three things there, though. How you speak, and that's declaring God's truth. Verse 6, it says, The generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare to them, to their children. We've got to pass it on. We've got to be talking about the things that God does and the stories that are in here. These stories are not just made-up stories. They're events. Now, some are parables, granted. But a lot of this is just history of what God did. And we need to be talking about that to other people so they can start to see God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. Um, secondly, how you live your life. Keeping God's commandments. In verse 7, it says that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. We've got to live like Christians. We've got to adapt. We've got to grow. We've got to align. And again, that is going to look a little different for a lot of us because we all have different lives, but they should all be Christian lives. Thirdly, how you grow. Evaluate your heart and faithfulness. Because this is the danger if we don't. Verse 8. 
and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. I am just challenged by that verse. Because if we try to just live a life that looks Christian, we run in danger of this verse. David in other Psalms, uh, you know, he, he threw it out there. He's like, you know, search my heart, God. Try it. If there's anything that offends you, get rid of it. Because we are prone to just bringing that stuff into our life trying to live this life on our own. But with Christ, it's a different world. A couple of thoughts before we finish here. Forgetting the works of God contributes to the failure in keeping his commandments. Count your blessings. It's cool. My wife has a box in our house. It's a big kind of chest-looking thing, and we have rocks inside of it. Uh, and now we've converted to little pieces of wood because it's way lighter. <laughs> um, but it's how God has, things that he's blessed our lives with, things that he's provided for our kids and for us, and just celebratory moments of our journey. And it's like, you look at it, and it's overwhelming. How faithful God is to work in our life and work in our life and work in our life and work in our life. He is that faithful. And he can do it with everybody because he's God. He doesn't just have favorites. He loves us all. So, there's a link between what you know and how you live. And that, like I've said, and you've heard a million times, belief determines behavior. We're almost there. Do you have, a spiritual, do you have spiritual conversations with people? Christians or non. I know sometimes Christians get together and they, all they talk about is sports or TV shows or whatever, and spiritual things never come up sometimes. Try to have spiritual conversations. Challenge each other. Grow each other. They can jumpstart, change lives, if yours or theirs. Um, have you set your hope in God and praise him for all he does? Can you be characterized as stubborn or rebellious or unfaithful to God? And I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. Christians can be there. It's like, oh, Christians can't go there. Oh, yes, they can. Read the book. There's a whole bunch of those. There's a group, Israel, that had to wander for 40 years because they just wanted one thing that was dumb. Final. Now we're out of here. How do you impact a generation for God? Own the impact responsibility. Be ready to talk about God. Make your life a godly testimony. This generation needs you to be involved, and so does the next one, and the next one, and the next one, for it to have a godly thread to even exist. Pray with me. Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, we're thankful for your faithfulness to us. And Lord, you don't give up. We look at the thousands of years that have passed behind us that you have reached out and reached out and had a remnant and had somebody to talk and had somebody to say something. Lord, I pray this week that you will, in very robust and vibrant ways, communicate 
with the people that are in this room and that are listening to this now in a way that helps them understand their relationship with you and the journey you have for them. Lord, help us to be more mindful of listening to you and not just trying to act Christian. We want to live an authentic Christian life and not just one that looks Christian. And Lord, you are the one that we need to show us those things that, needed to be at, that need to be added and need to be subtracted. And we're going to trust you to do that because you are a faithful father. Lord, we lift all of this to you now and trust you in Christ's name to do the work. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.